Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 232, 2, 3, you want me to look this up? 233, I'm your host Mike Apps aka Wheels and with me as always, uh, Keeper of Tech, Guardians of, Guardian of the Tome, David Browning, Final Master, and special guest this week. Uh, Robert Albright, the, uh, also known as the Mighty Tam Community Engagement Specialist, as well as probably one of the few people who can keep up with uh, David in regards to talking fast and knowing weird games. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm about to lose my job. <laughs> no, because my day job, my day job is more important than this job, but I do love this job. That's right, that's right. Uh, but yeah, that's assuming that you did not put up last week's episode, yeah, then it is in fact. It's exactly. uploaded, it's gonna be... I'm gonna put it up right now, actually. <sighs> the impetus to get the most recent episode up is always... <laughs> I'm tired. A lot. Oh, I've noticed. <sighs> Yeah, Ugh. Gaijin should be along soon, hopefully. Yeah. There's no reason that he shouldn't. <laughs> Who wants to talk about what they've been playing? Because I'm gonna be won't shut up for a while. Uh, I I have a lot of very dumb things to say. So, how about, how about the guest starts? If that's all good sure. for them. <laughs> um. I should be playing Final Fantasy XIV. I've been playing pretty much nothing but Super Robot Wars 30. Nice. <laughs> Embarrassment of riches. Are they super? They are They are super. And sometimes a little real. Oh. Uh, that's always spooky. It's always dodgy. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, based on what you were saying before we started recording, that that's, that's been going well. Yeah, um, they, they split. So I'm not very far in the main story, because um, the main story has its own indicators to differentiate between side quests or side missions in this one. And the side missions are, for the most part, either unlocking new attacks, unlocking new mechs, or just deeper lore into that anime's world. Sounds fun. So I I don't think I'm very far into the game, but I've beaten a lot of missions just because of the fact I am now um, this is the first game that added grindable missions, so you can actually uh, you know earn money and other points to help upgrade your units to help you get through battles if you're playing all day hard difficulty. I apologize. I just finished an orange. 
And that literally has been like the only thing I've been playing. Hmm. That's fair. I know that feeling sometimes. Well, I did finish up the Tales of Arise for um, the RP Gamer stream. Uh, that was the only I'm other thing I finished. I should see if there's a decent sale on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna jump back to that once I finish uh, the game I've been playing, which I'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> I've watched you stream. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I suppose if we're, I guess, nice ten dollar block on Amazon, I can maybe bring my talk to it. We'll see. Um, uh, the uh, sorry, brain dying. Uh. So, I've been playing random PS2 garbage, mostly very early PS2. I think I talked a bit about this last week, though that episode's not gone up yet. Uh, most relevant to this program, I spent some time playing Eternal Ring and... Uh, Eternal Ring, Evergrace, uh, Dark Cloud, and Orphan Scion of Sorcery. And uh, I would say most of those are some variant of bad. But I think I hate Orphan the most. It's a shame. Because it was uh, developed by a former Quintet subsidiary that had just split off at that time. And it's, uh, it's extremely feels like it was made in like eight months and pieced together from what happened to be finished. Oh. Which uh, is odd. It's, it's tie into an anime uh, that had the much more fun name of Sorceress Dabber Orphan. But uh, yeah, that's, that's extremely bad. It sort of plays at being an RPG, but I wouldn't even say it succeeds at being one because uh, there is no character advancement other than arbitrarily at the end of specific battles. This was a, this is a game that feels cobbled together enough that it, it seems like it was built to have random battles, but does not in fact have them. You just like reach certain like trigger points and it forces you into a fight and you leave. It's, uh, it's extremely bad. Uh, it's, it's, it feels very thin and broken. Uh, Evergrace, I think I've ranted about on this podcast a number of times because it scarred my soul. Eternal Ring is Kingsfield, but drastically rushed uh, to reach the Japanese PS2 launch. But that's another game that I think it was probably developed in like nine months. Uh, and the last one. Oh yeah, uh, Dark Cloud. That's a uh, that's a game that has that is that almost works and then uh, completely kneecaps itself like ten minutes in. Uh, I I do remember playing Dark Cloud and 
I, um, I think I got through the first dungeon and realized I had like more of this, and I was just like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I don't need more of this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, the the big thing that's in incredible to me about Dark Cloud is that uh, at the start, uh, you you get set down in a town that's got nothing in it. And you're told, oh, all the all the town got like taken away. Uh, here you have you go into the dungeon, and this mystical spirit's like, hey, yeah, uh, the, the your town is stuck in balls that are down here. Open the balls, get the town back, put it back together. Uh, that part makes sense. Then it's like, yeah, so uh, all your weapons can break uh, except. Uh, this dagger, which I'm going to let you, which I have enchanted to make sure it can't break. Uh, like, it'll still break, but, like, it won't disappear when it breaks. And so, one, that's that's an incredibly punitive system, because for those who never played either Dark Cloud game, uh, your character kind of doesn't advance. It's just the, uh, it's just your weapons. So if a weapon, if you get unlucky, uh, because, like, there are certain kinds of enemies that break weapons faster, or... Uh, certain things that can happen in dungeons that will push them much closer to breaking that sort of thing. If you get unlucky and your like main weapon breaks, you have to go grind out a new one, uh, and it takes forever. But the thing that's incredible is that right at the beginning of the game, uh, you don't have access to repair powders in any meaningful context. Uh, you get one to start with, and then... Uh, but every time you hit an enemy, your your weapon starts out, your dagger starts out with like 45 weapon HP. Hits a thing, it usually loses between 1 and 4 weapon HP. Uh, the only way to advance in the opening dungeon is to uh, kill enemies until one of them drops the key to the next floor. Uh, and there are usually like 15 enemies in a floor. So if you're following this map, it's very likely that you will go through uh, one of the first few floors in the game and not find uh, and not be able to finish the floor because your dagger breaks. And once it breaks, it's nearly impossible to kill anything. So you're just kind of hosed. You have to like if you're out of repair powders, you have to leave the dungeon, go back to the mayor of the first uh, of the first town, who's the only one that wasn't like kidnapped. Uh, and, and talk to him. It's not document that he'll do that, so it might take a new player a while. It's just a really, really bad intro. Like, it's impressive. I, I'm baffled as to why they went about this in this fashion. Uh, but, I, yeah. I played more of Dark Cloud 2 than the first one. Oh, everyone did. That's the only one people like. Dark Cloud 1, like... The thing that's... The, the lasting legacy of Dark Cloud 1 is, like, going back and laughing at... Uh, I believe it was PSM's cover that had, like, the words Zelda Killer, question mark? Uh, which is absurd both on the face of the gameplay's nothing like Zelda and also uh, in terms of comparative quality. But, yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things that, like, there's a reason that you've heard of people talking about Dark Cloud 2 and not Dark Cloud 1. But that's... that's part of this. Most of my Dark Cloud 2 is me playing golf. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a lot of people do. People, uh, this is it's an infinite golf course, basically. Definitely generate some more golf courses. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's been 
I've been, as I think I mentioned last week, I've been ex just messing around with the first year-ish of PS2 games because uh, if you were buying a PS2 to play PS2 software, that was a horrible investment for that first year and a half. And it's been interesting to go back and uh, look at what those uh, what those those halcyon days were like. Uh, but you occasionally find uh, something interesting. Certainly, it's uh, it, it's it's a weird area to go back to. But you know, sometimes or <laughs> sometimes going by the Japanese release dates, you'll play guitar. And that'll be fun. At least everyone should go play uh, Guitar Man if they haven't. It's a rhythm game by the Elite Beat Agents developer. Uh, it is extremely hard, but also very good. It has entirely original music. It's all extremely good. Everyone go look up Born to be Bone, which is one of the tracks uh, in that game that just kicks ass. I'm gonna, actually, I'm just going to link this in the Discord we're recording this in so that we all forced to listen to it. Nice. But yeah, uh, been playing a lot of garbage. Also, uh, played a bit of uh, Soul Blazer, which nice. uh, the uh, how to describe this? Soul Blazer Dark Cloud is clearly biting a lot off of Soul Blazer. Uh, in kind of uh, just in terms of how it constructed uh, like the, the core loop of you dive into the dungeon and by going through the dungeon you restore bits of town over time but Soul Blazer is uh, weird mildly contemplative uh, and you know fun whereas Dark Cloud is kind of uh, mess. Sorry. Uh, you too. It's okay. Huh. Also, uh, hmm. Dark, uh, Dark Cloud does not, as far as I recall, have a town founded by a dog named Turbo, so. <laughs> Whereas, you know, so points to. Points to. Soul Blazer over Dark Cloud. This is Greenwood. This land was developed by a dog named Turbo. But yeah. uh, and it looks like Gaijin should be joining us very shortly. Sweet. We also demand you click on this, link, this uh, music link. We'll do that while we're waiting. Built this city on rock and roll. Oh, we are all, every single one of us, getting sent to Built this city on rock and roll. 
actually know any of the other lyrics. I'm sorry. My county plays the mamba. Bliss and radio. Don't you remember? Oh, this song rolls. Oh, hey. Hi. Yes, yes, hey, Gaijin. Hey. Hello, Gaijin. Hi. We were just doing what we've been playing, and we've been deliberately avoiding getting the wheels. Talk about one game for like 20 minutes. So now your turn. <laughs> yes. Okay, I am fairly certain that I'm on the final chapters of Nino Kuni 2. Nice. I still have like a two dozen side quests, so it shall be a while, but I am going to try and get this thing finished before next Thursday when uh, uh, Shima Gami Tensei 5 comes out. Yeah, I'm very oh, excited. Good <laughs> yeah. That seems uh, to be a consensus on, uh, on Backtrack tonight, too. Get everything out of the way before. <laughs> Yeah, because we know it's going to take a while. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a big boy. Uh, yeah, I have that and the Switch port of Star Wars KOTOR on, locks, uh, on pre order, so that's probably going to take a lot of my time for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you have what it takes. And then SMT5 can uh, destroy us all utterly. Yes. And we know it's going to happen. Yeah. We, we've dehumanized yourself and faced the demons on them. I know. I've, just for fun, I was back reading back through my impressions I wrote for the site for Strange Journey and SMT4. And it was like, Strange Journey. It was like, that which does not kill me makes me stranger. Mm. Yep. Pretty much the, the entire thing there. Yep. Yeah. That sounds like Strange Journey. Yep. And then SMT4, somebody got upset because I said I gave a short list of examples of things that I had somehow managed to do in my time in the game so far, including genocide. Um, that does happen. <laughs> yes. And he's like, oh, don't spoil the game. I'm like, I have not told you any details of what, where, when, why, or how, and you know what, it's Megaton. You kind of expect that kind of thing. Uh, there's there's going to be at least one group of creatures that's suddenly gone by the end of the game. It keeps happening. Yeah. Unless it's Digital Devil's Saga, where they're just eating each other. Yeah, but non-mainline games tend to be different. They work different, they strange. Mm -hmm. so. <sighs> okay. We've put it off long enough. We also want to be been this city. I'm rock and roll. So uh, last week, the Guardians of the Galaxy game came out, and uh, mm. I bought that partly because I'm a Marvel nerd, and also partly because I had a fifty dollar off Target from coupon from Target. Because otherwise, I was probably going to wait on it. To be honest. How do you get these coupons? Do you just buy too many games? Uh, no, you sign up for a red card. It doesn't even have to be oh, the, the credit card red card. It can just be the debit card red card. Hmm. So I actually yeah. highly recommend doing it. Yeah, if, yeah. If you shop at Target. And you can do it online also. Yes, apparently yeah, now. There's I'm, one nearby that I occasionally have to swing by. So apparently now I'm a walking, talking Target ad. But yes. 
Uh, it wasn't even advertised when I was signing up for it. I, I just came in the mail with my card, and I was just like, okay, sure. I will I will take your free money. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, yes, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, uh, obviously, after Avengers, there was much apathy towards this game, and I can certainly understand why. Uh, but I was curious about it from the beginning because it seemed like it might be sort of like a lighter Mass Effect. In the <laughs> that kind Marvel of describes years. the movie, yeah. Yes. Uh, I would say right off the bat, it's not really that because it's not necessarily an RPG. It's more like an. It's more like mostly just like an actiony game with very light RPG elements and dialogue choices. Um, the parts people liked about some RPGs, <laughs> right? So yeah, it's it's like a light Mass Effect essentially, although it's obviously linear and uh, things may Gosh, play got off. Pretty linear by the end there. It's true. It's true, and this things will play off differently based on some your choices. And it's been a hell of a lot of fun. Like, there is an absurd amount of recorded dialogue for this game. Like, as you're I going, hear the voice acting's very good. It's extremely good. And like, as you go through each level, like your crew is constantly talking, and not it's not like ever repeated dialogue. Like, Except for I am Bruce Edison. Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll talk about whatever obstacle is in that room or some of the enemies you're fighting, and it just, it's so fun. It's just fun. And, like, the combat is relatively straightforward, but entertaining. You play as Star Lord, obviously, and you kind of can control, you can hold down a button and it pulls up a menu so you can call the, the other crew members and do some of their abilities. And it's not like there's a huge skill tree or anything there's each character has four different skills that you can unlock including for star lord that do different things but there's cool ways you can mix them up like um for example rocket has an ability that like groups sets off a bomb that pulls a bunch of enemies together and then you can combo that with another character's like area of effect ability to hit a bunch of enemies at once and there's yeah. like some different elemental um, shots that Star-Lord can use that have different properties that you can then combo with other abilities. It's it's pretty fun, and um, obviously, as I do, I'm playing it on a little bit of harder mode, which I do recommend doing, because I feel like if you're playing... If you set this too easy, you're just going to be blasting through everything, and it might get kind of boring. <laughs> Whereas if there's a, at least a tad of challenge to it, where you have to make mix some of the party members abilities and dodge effectively and whatnot it's a lot more fun oh the, the really cool mechanic though is event you, you as you're fighting you build up this meter where you can then activate a super it's called a huddle up where the the crew will <laughs> huddle up together and kind of do some different dialogue and based on that dialogue you have to pick one of two options to give like a rousing speech to get them going and um, if you pick the right one then all your party members get a extra boost and then after you activate that it plays one of the songs from the soundtrack 
which could lead to some some pretty fun things where uh yeah could, could, could play like uh we built this city on rock and roll as you're fighting which is fun or new kids on the block or some of the other licensed songs like uh uh tainted love or um have some Checking Rick, some Rick Astley. <laughs> of course. Uh, or what the heck is that? Some Motley Crue. I ran so far away. Take I'm on. trying to think of what I saw when you were flipping through it last week. I still White think wedding. the best scene that I've seen so far was you having to guide the llama, a llama oh, yes. a spaceship to hit yes. a button. So, mild spoilers that I don't think really spoils too much is you get a, a space llama on your ship or very early on in the game and there's this point <laughs> later on in the game where everyone is locked in their rooms on the ship and you have to guide the llama by having four different crew members um, you press a button to activate each of them to start singing lines to uh, don't worry be happy now <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like two of them will attract the llama and two of them will uh, make the llama run away one of which is Rocket who does not sing the song instead when you hold down his button he will just yell a lot <laughs> that makes sense it's uh, it's just it's so f just fun and the the story is like very well written. It's not based on like the MCU or anything. This is based squarely in like the comic books, which means there's all sorts of some of the goofier elements, like uh, Cosmo the dog, who is I, I, you can't pet, and I'm resenting that. Who is was he supposed to be like a a Russian space dog, where somehow he got yeah. superpowers? <laughs> He was a oh Russian space dog that caught, got caught in a space warp, ended up on Nowhere, and is now telepathic. And yes. is also kind of the mayor of Nowhere. Yes. At some point, I think. Yeah. And he's adorable. So you do missions for him, where the, the crew, where they take notes on what to report to him, call them uh, dog report items. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's so fun. And Fang, Fang Foom is you mentioned, go, go, which, is, which is awesome. Yes. It's. Uh, I ended up playing th over the the weekend and into this week the first I think twelve out of the sixteen chapters in the game and just having an absolute blast. The game is so much fun and um, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Like it's one of my biggest surprises this year so far. Like I expected, you know, seeing that it was more of an action Pretty game, good. that I was going to be disappointed, but. And less of an RPG, but I, I could care less. I freaking love this game. It's so fun. My Sorry, that's just But yeah. No, it's uh, fine. The soundtrack to that game freaking rules. I'm always happy when I see everybody wants to rule the world. Everybody wants to. Oh, oh, I also forgot to mention they created a fictional band called Star Lord and recorded a whole album like for this game. Seven or eight songs <laughs> I'm seeing on the soundtrack by Star Lord. I, I think it's like ten. It's a lot. <laughs> An entirely unsettling one. 
Yeah. That way you have some non-licensed licensed music to play while you're playing. Exactly. <laughs> I mentioned this when you were streaming it, but... Uh, I was watching... Uh, watching someone, uh, a Japanese streamer of that, and they looked at the list of songs in the, like, bip and just declared every single song on their self-destruct button, because if they streamed <laughs> any of them, they would immediately get <laughs> taken down. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, so, that was... But yeah, that, uh, that's a, it looks fun, like, it looks like a pleasant surprise. It shouldn't have been as much of a surprise as it was, since it is Idos Montreal, yeah. who has had a pretty sterling record, but yeah, they did, after... They did two great Deus Ex games, and they worked on the uh, third recent third, Tomb Raider game. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, yeah. which was by all accounts very good, I still haven't gotten around to it. So uh, I'm wondering if this, this game might use that engine, I'm thinking. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, they made it, but, uh... But, yeah, like, the other thing about it is just that, like, I feel like it it got off very much on the wrong foot. One, because, again, it was following on from The Avengers, which was a game that inspired, uh, at best, deep apathy. Yeah. But, uh, also, uh, Square has no idea how to present games at, uh, big presentations. And so their idea for how to present Guardians of the Galaxy was to just show, like, 20 solid minutes of it without any sense of, like, trying to build investment, just assuming, well, you like Guardians of the Galaxy already, so you'll want this. And, like, it was like, I no one had any expectations. For it. Yeah. And it, it, Except that it, it would just... be Mar another like, game like Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, like, it, the only expectations people had for it were bad, so you need to win them over by giving them a short, very well-edited presentation. Instead, they showed, like, an entire mission, and it was like watching someone play a game you've never heard of. Uh, so, yeah. Kind of kind of fell down there. But it seems like word of mouth's been really positive on it, so I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if it manages to uh, still be something of a hit. Yeah, I hope so, and I, ho I hope, you know, that everyone gets the right message from this this is sort of more what uh, more what i'd love to see with like this is what people probably wanted when they heard like oh there's gonna be like big yeah. budget marvel games like I, I love comic book games and it just uh, i'd love more of them like you know just thinking about the dc side of things for a second like we're getting like a Suicide Squad game, and when 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 the hell are we gonna get like a decent Justice League game? <laughs> like, yeah, that's they're, so they're very properly with the game. I still feel like there's a lot of ways that people have almost gotten Superman right in games, and then like bungled it in some other fashion. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I always liked that the I mean, game based off of the bad Superman Returns movie, like the health meter was how much Metropolis was getting destroyed. But then that game sucks for many different reasons, and also the final boss is a tornado, so... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd be yeah, happy with, um, like, Superman a Ultimate as... Alliance ripoff. Yeah. Um, yeah, Superman, as he has evolved in the comics over the decades, is not the best character to have in the front and center of a video game. Yeah. I think that there's things you can do with him, as long as you make it about how, like, 
he can do anything, but there's only so much anything he can do. Yeah. Uh, or, um, or even, I, I, I still love how um, One Punch Man, the game, did it, but... Oh, yeah, that was very cute. Yeah. Just survive until he gets there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I remember I, I was taunting Wheels by showing him this, but there was a really neat-looking Flash game that got cancelled in the late uh, uh, aughts. <laughs> so like the entire gimmick was that uh, the Flash is, uh, you know, you have all of these crimes happening at once, and so you have to try to resolve as many of them as possible. And the like, you know, they're counting down at first in real time, but when you start running, they slow down, so you can like get from crime to crime, and like you're really expected to move from place to place. Also, that game sounded awesome because it was going to end with you fight. Like the final boss is going to be freaking Gorilla Grodd. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Like that shit sounded awesome. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm a little bit hesitant in regards to the next Marvel game that's coming out. What's that? Is. Uh... That Midnight Suns one from the people who are who make. Um... Uh, didn't that just get delayed? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, it's more because of the fact everyone wants it to be sort of like a tactical game, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be card mechanics," which I know some people really like card mechanics. Hi. While heals. Hi. But there are not a lot of people. There are also a lot of people who that is an instant like killed killed the game right out for them. Hey, it's me. <laughs> and me I mean, I'm I'm like I don't mind a good card based game. I'm just tired of so many of them. Like, what was it? One week on on our new on our RPG cast we newscast we had like ever like almost half the list of announced games were card based games. RPG cast, do we still do that show? Yes. Yes. Turnabout's fair play. <laughs> hey, I have never said that back uh, that Q and A quest doesn't go on. <laughs> I know, oh, I was had... that was not pointed at you. Yes. <laughs> that joke had to be made. It's revenge. Yes. Uh I have to go find that thing from Whose Line Is It Anyways. It's like, oh, Whose Line Is It Anyways? Is that show still going on? <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean. Is, is that show still going on? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, but I mean, that's that, that other Marvel game. That's... That's, um... What you call it? That's Fraxis. It should be at least decent, even if you don't like card things. Yeah, but something just about the cards that immediately turns me off. I can't fix that. Let's see. I would. I would enjoy a nice Marvel Ultimate Alliance four. I know you would. Mm-hmm. Is it time for questions? Do we have questions? Yeah. Uh, probably got a few. Might go looking. <laughs> uh, 
New in podcast. Games, uh, what games do you feel have RPG elements that are badly tacked on? Hmm. Um, hmm. How badly would you like? Well, question's ambiguous, so... Uh... <laughs> I, I have one, I think. And it's, mm -hmm. it's from a game I really like, so... Mm-hmm. That would be uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, not uh, not much meat on those RPG bones. No, I mean it's got like <laughs> leveling and stuff, but I mean it's mostly an action-based game, and it never really feels like there's much point to levels and whatnot. <laughs> it feels like it would have been, I don't know, better suited to something like uh, I don't know, like. Spider-Man, where you gain like skill points as you go along and use those to unlock new abilities, whereas that is like actual Horizons, like actual levels, and there's areas you shouldn't go to until you reach a certain level. It just it uh, obviously it's a game I love, but it never quite jived with me. I can I'm thinking of just random like puzzler games that had just experience for some random reason to unlock upgrade um, not upgrades, but um bonus items that might appear in the game things like that it was just like okay a lot of these are unnecessary i never use them <laughs> and it takes too darn long to level up so <laughs> which i believe is probably the point You're trying to keep people playing it don't But yeah, that's generally what I think of when I think of unnecessary RPG mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's up, Pew? Need to watch my chat more carefully. I don't actually know how long ago he sent that message. <laughs> Failing as a streamer. Uh, see what you've done. Uh... uh... I'm trying to think of any where it particularly stands out to me. Like, there's so many games where, like, it'll just have, like, some sort of minor, like, skill tree or leveling mechanic where it's like, you could have probably just not done this. You, can do, you do it for the illusion of player build, but especially any game where you're intended to get everything over the course of the game, it's like, you might as well not have bothered. Like, yeah. I quite liked this game, but I mean, the Insomniac Spider-Man games, there's there's no reason for that skill tree. You're intended to get everything. Yeah. It's just sort of there because it is, like, there's some sort of internal metrics about, like, well, people, like, feel more invested in games if they have a skill tree, so you put in the skill tree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they did that a little better, bit better in the, the Miles game. Uh, but, yeah, I forget how they modified it now. I mean, I think it's... 
It's similar. I just think you aren't necessarily meant to get all the upgrades. Like none of them are essential. It's just like you can kind of pick the abilities you'd like that fit your play style essentially is how I remember it, but I could be misremembering. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like that, that kind of thing shows up a lot where it's just like, here's a skill tree. What's the ad? Absolutely. Yeah. Jack and Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and like Guardians kind of has that, although it's just it's just yeah. like a few abilities, so you know it's not like these don't like big deal. When I when I bring these up, I'm not saying that they make the games worse. I'm saying that they're like zero sum. They yeah. do nothing. Mm -hmm. Like they feel they're, they're in, transparently intentionally there, so you can say, "Hey, look, this is an RPG," even though it's really not. Yeah, it's just to increase like the feeling of player investment. You, you, you were a part of this tapestry, but yeah. I think I think. Let's see if we can think of anything else. Is this? Yeah, it's it's mostly just the tendency to add RPG elements to action games that tend to end up feeling kind of transparent. Yeah, like action RPGs, I think really good action RPGs are something that's really hard to do correctly. You you really have to be conceiving of what balance of action and RPG that you're doing yeah. in the beginning, like something like Kingdom Hearts or Dark Souls, where like someone has had like a very clear thought process of how the RPG and action elements interplay, because if you just add levels onto an action game, you're going to get a game where either uh, the action feels extremely short-chained, or the RPG elements feel vestigial and pointless. So the points don't matter. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that would be my uh, quick version of that. I was thinking of uh, Elder Scrolls 3 and it's weird, weird. God, action the combat in that, it's just hellish. Yeah. For those who never actually sat down and played Morrowind, uh, you swing at enemies, and then the game has a dice roll that determines whether you actually hit them. So, like, actually having to swing at enemies feels pointless and obnoxious. Yeah, it's not good. It was yeah. kind of the worst possible way to wear that circle. Um, yeah, Alpha Protocol, as much as I like it, had a similar... Oh, yeah, it sucks there, function. too. Same yeah. with Mass Effect 1. Yeah. That's how it functions there, too. Like, like the, the if you're gonna okay. if you're gonna have the player like precision aim, then the precision aim should do something. Should do something <laughs> and not be like, oh, you aimed, you carefully aimed. You very slightly their... like normalized the curve of your dice yes. Oh, thanks. You, they they did fix that in the Mass Effect remaster. Did they? Yeah, I think Mass Effect remaster okay, cool. was like redone to slightly function more like Mass Effect yeah. three. No. Yes. Yeah. The elf protocol is like, yeah, you you squarely have aimed at their head. You, but, oh, that man you in the rolled face. a one. Wow. You rolled a one. I'm so sorry. 
Yeah, like it, it speaks to the quality of the everything else about the three games we've just brought up in this. That yeah. like this doesn't completely sink them, but like all of them are made actively worse by pretending to be an action game. Right. Like I, I, I'm totally for mixing the two, but you, like we said, you have to be really careful. Like, like I think something like Alpha yeah. Protocol would have been better off just either not having the dice rolls be involved in like hit or miss or just not have precision aiming be necessary at all yeah like just be able to like essentially bat and point at something right but yeah the the entire like system like that you know like a lot of times, uh, like I was mentioning, people will approach these from the perspective of we have made one type of game and we've added elements from another partway through development. And I think the strong examples of the action RPG genre are things where they conceived of something as being a mix from the start. Yeah. Let's see. Why am I sitting here not playing Super Robot Wars? You could be playing oh, that right now. It wouldn't even stop you. Um, let's see. By the way, hi, Gaijin. If you hadn't guessed, it's Tam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, so, uh, Pew's chatting again. Um, doing good, Pew. Uh, how's, let me know how the Overwatch is going. I haven't played that in a, in a bit. Uh, more questions? Yeah, I'll pull up another one. Uh, most frustrating minigame in an RPG? Hmm. Final Fantasy X, the lightning strikes. Final Fantasy X, getting zero timer on the uh, Chocobo race. That's Final fair. Fantasy X, playing ungodly amounts of Blitzball. Um, Fire Emblem Fates, Japanese version. Oh, face petting. Face petting. Um, was terrible. And anyone that thinks it was bad that they removed it from the US version, you're an idiot. Full stuff. It sucks <laughs> so much. It is from from a company that's known to make collection of mini games, it is one of the dumbest, most pointless mini games I've ever played. It's that bad. You were spared. And I've played, played... And I've played Valhalla Nice 3. <laughs> That's um, a harsh thing to compare anything. Oh yeah. Any any game that has a dance dance revolution system where you have to get perfects to get like the best item. Oh, man. Get a lot I of golf swing leaders too. I can think of two games off the top of my head. Final Fantasy VII Remake and Legend of Lagaya. Strange combination. <laughs> Some things never change. Uh, on the bright side, uh, in FF7 Remake, if you're screwing up, uh, Aerith gets noticeably less happy, which is very funny to watch. <laughs> but it is also great to see her when she's like really pumped about how well you're dancing, so that's, you know... Yeah, I do like watching the video of like the you know the grade A perfect score runs that people do on that. <laughs> yeah, I managed that, and it's like it helps that it's a it's a relatively forgiving minigame because like 
The things we mentioned from FF10, the big problem with them is that they are either incredibly long or incredibly unforgiving, or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I once, like, kept track of trying to get the... Uh, like, how to describe it? I, I tried to keep track of how long... how my progress as I tried to get the... Uh, zero the zero point zero time on Chocobo race, and the when I kept track of it, I found basically that there was no correlation with how long I had been doing it and me getting any better at it. It was just like eventually the like series of coin flips rolled like landed in my favor and I managed to do it. There was no getting better at that man. And uh, that, that's that's a big problem with anything like that. Like, this could take uh, ten minutes, or it could take ten hours, and it really just depends. <laughs> yeah. Um, to think, like, it, it does feel mean to repeatedly bring up out of ten, but man. Uh, there's there's something to be said for the fact that I had more fun in FF10 too when I was doing the mini game that's just math. Uh, hey, math is always fun. Oh, uh, spoken like a software engineer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Yeah, most frustrating again. Well, okay, so if we want to go into completely optional stuff, some of the puzzles in Lufia 2. Those get mean, but they're also kind of the fun part, though. Yeah, but I mean, the world's most difficult trick. Oh, that fucking thing. <laughs> the thing with where you can find the solution online, it's like, a, what, what, 120 steps or more? Yeah, it's like this ridiculously complicated procedure that has to be done very precisely. Wait, wait, for which puzzle? The world's most difficult trick. That's what it is actually called. It has a sign announcing it. Yeah, don't actually do that unless you want to look it up. It's not worth your time. But Yeah. So, I mean, just to get inside involves a puzzle with very precise timing and bombs to open the door properly. Oh, in, yeah. in Lufia 2? Yeah, in Lufia 2. In one of the levels, about two-thirds of the way through the game, there is a sign um, pointing you towards the chamber of the world's most difficult trick. I have no- I somehow have never seen this. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is optional, so... And it's also it not worth doing, optional. but... And it is so true, what, how it describes itself. Yeah. They knew what they'd done. Where do you find this at? Like I said, I don't remember the exact level because it's been like literally two decades since I've played this game, but it was about two-thirds of the way through in one of the major dungeons. I want to say it's like a mountainside area. Mountain caves. Okay. Yeah, let's see. It's basically just a sliding tile puzzle. <laughs> it's, it's a hideously complicated one. Oh yeah, because Maybe all of those are hideously complicated, but this is a particularly complicated one. 
This all make me remember some really annoying puzzles in Shining the Holy Ark for Saturn. <laughs> Which, in a first-person dungeon crawler, had sliding blocks across the ice puzzles. Among other things. In a first-person dungeon crawler? Yes. <laughs> oh dear, that's not a good design choice. <laughs> <coughs> no, that game gets brutal. But, yeah, um, up. uh, what could be fixed in a Children of Mana remake? I did not play that, so I'll have to defer to like, um, I would assume Gaijin oh. played it. Children of Mana is ba it does not really have much of an actual plot. Um, <laughs> it, the uh, the the various lands that you visit, while they do have quests that you can do, they are basically roguelike. Hmm. Um, they the the floor form uh, the floor layouts change every single time you play. Um, the there is zero NPC interaction. The plot does not. Or I mean the story behind what there is of the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Basically just build an actual story and plot, like yeah. progression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, do more with the fact that you can knock enemies straight across the field if you want to. There, there's some fun things to do with the physics engine in that game, and they don't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's quite a few things that can be fixed. Um, there's a, I mean, again, with the background plot, there is a strong reliance on events of, I'm assuming, Heroes of Mana, hmm. which I haven't played. But it, it references things that happened like 20 years before, very specifically. Hmm. So. Yeah. Hmm. so it's either referencing Heroes of Mana or Dawn of Mana, probably Dawn, as I think of it, which I didn't play either. So. Oh, good choice, good choice. Uh, don't play that game. It's really uh, bad. It is. Speaking of changing things that you shouldn't. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, which would you fix first with Legend of Mana? The quests or the crafting? Fix. No. Question mark? <laughs> yeah. You've wandered I mean, into a, a group of Legend of Mana fans. I don't think you're going to get the answers you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see why people are, what was the right word here, disconcerted, puzzled, um, weirded out by the story just because it's got three interweaving plots and is not always the best at telling you which one's active at any given time, and you can technically finish the game upon completion of one out of three. Um, and that's how I did it. I, I beat it on the Jewel Quest. Ah, the Jumis? Yeah. So, I mean, it has a non-standard plot layout, and that is going to turn off a lot of people. Yeah. It's also but it also wouldn't be Legend of Mana if it did something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I still have very fond memories again of about 20 years ago with the guys in the dorm and the, a lot of them were watching me play this and about half of my dorm was in a Zen class, Intro to Zen at the time. And there are so many one-liners in that game that they just could have taken for a Zen koan. It's like, yeah, we got a lot of money out of this, or a lot of uh, laughs out of this game for our money. <laughs> Cow is not here. It is in my head. <laughs> Actual quote from the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, as for the crafting system, the crafting system is not necessary for anything in the game. I don't think they even have any quests built around making anything, really. Mm -hmm. um, it's just there to be weirdly interesting and possibly a bonus if you really need it, but you don't really. The the only crafting I did was making my golem. That too, yeah. yeah. And then my golem did all my work. Like, I'd be more, like, accepting of if they reworked the crafting system, because, like, it doesn't matter. But, like, I don't particularly think it needs to be changed because I don't think it's important enough. And it stands as one of the most intricately weird crafting systems ever created for an RPG. Basically, if you let Kawazu make it, it would just get weirder. He told him to change it. He would just make it weirder out of spite. Yeah. Get that, uh, get that Saga 3 treatment. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, this is saga of mana, effectively yeah. anyway. So yeah, um, the words "fix" and "legend of mana" don't really go together that well. Yeah. Um, actually, no. If I were the going game to is anything, exactly what it make, wants to be. <laughs> I would I would change some of the combat setup to make it less of a um, side-scrolling beat 'em up and more of actually free field ish. Mm. Like maybe maybe more like. Um, Second Densetsu 3, originally, where you had a... I mean, you could walk through everything clearly, and it, there was an actual kind of map that you could follow, and then it had set areas for each battle. Instead of the... Well, instead of, like, the Double Dragon beat-em-up style that the game has. Yeah. It, I, was just, I wasn't very satisfied with the way the battles worked in that game. I mean, I, I played a lot, but I didn't... I mean, it was... Yeah, it, it just had a much different feel to it than the previous two games <laughs> so okay Let's see. Um... any other thoughts nothing particular like I think we were all just I mean, kind of... maybe a okay. little cleanup of the story so it made a little more sense for someone stepping into it but yeah I mean, part of that could be yeah. solved with a better memo system and possibly a bit an improved translation. Yeah, those are probably more doable and might help. But if you if you altered the story itself, you're kind of getting into some. Yeah, no, not there. not altering the story itself, just the way it was presented. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so just giving the player a better way to keep a handle on everything that's happening would probably be the best solution. Yeah. That and some more extra, or some extra scenarios because there were a few plot threads that they completely dropped. That's a very Kawatu thing to have happen. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not the only game to have done that. I mean, Valkyrie Profile oh, had a few things that were mentioned near the very beginning. <laughs> some stuff that just stops. Characters again. Yeah, but I think in Legend of Mana there was something about a king from another 
continent who had invaded a long time before, and you actually had to handle a group of his soldiers showing up on the beach at one point in one mm -hmm. of the quests. Which implies that you'll be doing more with that. Doesn't. Yeah. yeah, so he was, I mean, this dark king, whatever he was, he was a background character in the history of how the world got trashed. But aside from his soldiers showing up at one quest, that there's nothing really made of him. Mm. And also more stuff with the penguins. Yes, please. We, we need more stuff with the penguins. So, I mean, back, again, back 20 years ago, I actually made up my, I outlined my own, like, secret, uh, le um, like, Legend of Mana 2, basically. Mm -hmm. um, with even more brought in from Saga Frontier in style, because it was, like, literally seven different main characters with, as uh, parallel timelines, and the, the end game actually converged timelines on the center of the map. Um, yeah, so it was, like, um had seven countries, or actually no, had, never mind, had eight countries for eight different elements of the game, and then tree in the middle for the tree of mana. So, like, this game had moon and metal for elements. And each of the each of the main characters was, like, bound to one of the, one of the spirits for the, their particular element. So the water region had a penguin pirate for a main character. Mm. Just because I could. So, Perfect. and then, yeah, and then the metal zone had a uh, had a golem that basically went short circuit on its own masters. So, number post, five post, is alive. Yeah, post robot apocalypse. Oh, rip. Yeah. So yeah, I had some fun ideas with that game idea. Uh, <laughs> oh well, what might have been. Hmm. Let's see. Um... Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, Dave, is it just me, or does the long ass list go from number sixty-six to sixty-one again, and then keep going up, back through seven, up to seventy? So we've got like one, two, yeah, three. Yeah. No, it, it does do that. Okay. I would so imagine we, we some things got combined sixes. or confused here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's hit 61 though and we can do a fairly quick one on that on an unrelated question how realistic can stealth game be before it becomes impossible to enjoy when it gives no feedback about how hidden you are or what the enemies can see which is very realis realistic yeah extremely realistic extremely frustrating no one actually enjoys it uh, yeah plus you know the whole uh, overly large cardboard box thing listen that was a lot of fun that's a lot of fun. There's no way it works. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I do love how I'm, much I they mean, just leaned into it over the course of Metal Gear. It like became like treated as an obsession of Big Boss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the oh, only yeah, yeah. the only way it would work is if it was there when everything started. <laughs> yeah. But just ha having a random box just show up out of nowhere. People are like, huh? Oh, it's just a box. It's like, no. People would be like, hey, that box. Was, uh, most people would be, box hey, keep moving. Who's moving it? Yeah, I, I want answers. Where did this box come from? They would actually investigate the box. <laughs> yeah, I think one of my favorite so, uh, points is when they reached a point in Peace Walker where you started making like technology that was primarily cardboard box box based. So it's just like. 
Uh, the, the zero emission cardboard box tank. But basically, um, if you want a stealth game to be fun, you're going to have to accept some things that are patently absurd. Yeah, you have to give like the player information that they shouldn't have. Usually either something that tells them how well hidden they are, like uh, Metal Gear Solid's like, camo, Metal Gear Solid 3's camo index, or uh, Metal Gear, uh, not, not that, Splinter Cell's like, uh, meter that shows you how hidden in darkness you are. Or you need to give them something like the Solitan Radar from uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 that shows, like, the vision cone of the uh, enemy. Some, something that gives you more information about what they can see. Yeah. Once you nix out all of those, it just becomes obnoxious. But, uh, let's see... This next question feels like it's confused and or, like, has a bunch of typos in it. Uh, I'll try to work out what it means. What RPG is the first one to give you different campaigns depending on the first thing you did in the game? Was it Dark Savior for... I assume this is supposed to read action RPG because it is absolutely no strategy RPG. Uh, and Landstalker for normal RPG, that's an action RPG as well. It's kind of a Zelda game, and it doesn't really have any major branching paths to my recollection. Uh, like, I feel like the actual answer to this is probably going to be something extremely old for PCs that we've never heard of, but yeah. the first ones I can think of for action RPGs are probably like Dark Savior, because that determines the entire course of the game in the first five minutes. Uh... There okay, well, is... sucks. <laughs> it sucks, but it's fascinating and awesome, so it doesn't matter. Uh, um, let's see. Persona, the original, allowed you to go off on a completely different quest line. Yeah, yeah in the first game. about hour, if you find, like, a mask in the school. And then yeah. suddenly you're playing a remake of, Sh of Shin Megami Tensei If. Yeah, was, wasn't it, too, with Persona 1, like... You could meet your entire party within the first five minutes, but you could say yes or no and get different party members too. Yes. Basically, the yeah, the Seabeck quest, the way that it works is that, like, you run into a bunch of characters, and whoever you say yes to first is going to be your fifth party member. And I've definitely met people who did not realize what was happening there. And then there's also one character who's hidden and requires you to say no to everyone while doing a bunch of other nonsense that... My favorite part of that chain is, uh, I think his name's like Reiji, but to get him, you have to find the one pharmacist, in, one pharmacist specifically in the city who turns out to be his mom, talk to her once, and then not talk to her a second time, because if you talk to her a second time, the quest line breaks and you can't get him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Persona 1's bad. Uh, yeah. Um, it's some of the Mega Ten games of that period and a little early, the Super Famicom period, had some very interestingly hidden um, options. Yeah, the only hint to Reiji being a party member is one, the fact that he had a character portrait, and two, that like long after you would have the chance to recruit him, he will show up and do one fight by himself as part of a cutscene. And that's when you will get him if you... Uh, 
have managed to fulfill all the requirements for him. But if not, he'll, he'll just appear that one time and then kind of disappear and it'll be very strange. Uh, so uh, do we ever hope that they actually remake Persona into a more playable game? I don't think that they're going... They ever would is the problem. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I feel mean, like... They, the plot and redo it. Yeah. yeah, like, there's there's things about the plot that are interesting, although I feel like it's honestly probably a plot that's more interesting to have told to you rather than play. <laughs> but... Well, that describes uh, a lot of the games. But yeah, like, I like... I, I feel like you would have to... You can't make it play like a modern Persona game, so they would have to essentially rebrand what sub-series it was in. Uh, yeah, it's true. But yeah, like, you can't make it play like that. It would have to just be, like, completely rethought in a way that I don't think they're ever going to spend that much time on that particular game. Uh, uh, yeah, why? Trying to think of other games that do this, and it's like Front Mission Three does this. Uh, uh, didn't like uh, Ogre Battle '64 have a major juncture point really early on? I think so. So did uh, Tactics Ogre. Yeah, I was gonna say that's actually probably the first RPG to do this. Is like that I can think of is Tactics Ogre. Yeah. Let us play together. That, and, and yeah, that, that was, was at the end of the first chapter, right? Yeah, and that is an effed so, yeah. up choice too. Oh yeah, there's like there's a reason that the entire gimmick of the PSP remake was like being able to turn back on those and see the other paths more efficiently. But uh, let us play together as the years go by. Uh, Territory. See. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Orphan Scion of Sorcery also does this in a very clumsy and stupid way. Uh, there's a but bit... the true ending, you have to play through all three routes. Of course you do. <laughs> but don't play any of them, because it's Orphan Scion of Sorcery. Uh, what is that game? Was not fun. I own it. <laughs> uh, trust me, I own it as well. Uh, so basically, about 20 minutes into that game, you run in... You, like... The two characters that have been accompanying Orphan uh, run into different parts of the ship. And then uh, whichever one you follow determines the entire rest of the game. They have different plots. You kind of just never run into the uh, other character again, as far as I recall. Uh, and and yeah. There's a third route for... Um, I remember there being three routes in that game. Yeah, I think you have to finish the other two routes to unlock the third route. So. No, I thought there was, like, th three routes there, and then there was a fourth route for finishing the other three. I've never actually found the third route. But, like, you sound like you've played more of it than I have. No, I just had a friend who played a lot of it, but it's been years since I remember this conversation. Yeah, I, I might find this out at a later date, because I've been trying to play a significant enough portion of the game that I feel comfortable writing about it, even though I'm not, like, doing, say, an RP gamer review where I would have to, like, actually finish it, because I think doing so would kill me. Uh... Uh... 
But yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, those are the examples I can think of. This is a really budget-wise, extremely wasteful practice that I love, but it's also extremely hard to justify. Front mission three did it well, though. Oh yeah, no, like it's when I say it's wasteful, I mean in the sense of like when executives look at what you're uh planning to do they end up looking at it as this is a lot of content that like a giant portion of the player base will never see and i think that there's worth in that because it makes the game feel reactive and real but at the same time it's very hard to justify doing uh super, super robot wars og og the um og1 had that where you Depending on which hero, uh, you know, which main yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, Ryusei and Kyosuke, who had yeah. very different. Like, the first half of the game is entirely different, depending upon who you're playing as. Well, even some of the stuff in the latter half, like, uh, if you pick Ryose, um, the S the SRX would not, like, you know, could be continued to be used in the rest of the game, whereas if you pick Kyosuke, it couldn't be. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just that, like, you get entirely different missions for the first half as opposed to, like, more the uh, big but more subtle changes to the second half. And then there's, of course, the normal route splits that are in most Super Robot Wars games. Yeah, which, like, these are, those are kind of a marker of uh, how this kind of content has sort of gone away. Because if you look at, like, the route maps for... Super Robot Wars Alpha or 64, they're incredibly complicated and full of mutually exclusive missions that might require you to play the game three, four, five times to actually get all of them. Uh, whereas if you look at a modern one, it's like these will have occasional splits, but it's so difficult to justify spending all that money making content that so many players just won't end up seeing. So... Mm-hmm. And that's why you don't see optional party members happen that often anymore. Like, that sort of thing just sort of goes away, because it's just... People don't want to make something no one's going to see. Yeah, I have a strong so. suspicion 30 got rid of the practice completely. Oh, yeah, because, like, the optional uh, thing, the optional missions concept kind of uh, mitigates the need for it. But... Uh, see also like unlockable units and like I said, that's why you don't see uh, optional party members that often anymore. Because uh, you just end up sad. with like... Yeah, no. Uh, let's see. Well, that's depressing. Let's hit it a couple more questions. Uh, speaking of Dark Savior, could it be more popular had it been released on the PS1 with analog support or would the game still frustrate most people? Given when it was released, it wouldn't have had analog support. Uh, but uh, I suspect that the game would have remained niche regardless because it's such a weird, uh, ugly, strange, like, mishmash of a game. Uh, it probably would have sold because better, it but it probably wouldn't have been any more popular. <laughs> Dark Savior, the Saturn uh, Climax game. Mm. It's uh, an isometric action RPG that uh, determines one of five uh, main story paths, depending upon how you finish the first uh, about mm -hmm. 10 minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. But, 
Yeah, uh, I suspect that there was no universe where Dark Savior was ever going to be anything but a cult classic, respected by me and three other people, and despised by many Wahils around here. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone else here has strong Dark Savior. <laughs> I, I will be honest, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fascinating mess. Yeah, it, it would be it would be a challenge even for me to call it good. It's just interesting enough that I don't care if it's good. <laughs> uh, what system was it on? Saturn. Sega Saturn. Oh, that's why I never heard of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you have any bosses that it took you a long time before you realized it couldn't be killed? Mm. Two. What two? Star Ocean two. Oh, there were um, specifically. There's a one fight right near the end of disc one. Don't you have to fight Indelicio around there? Uh, no, I'm talking about the blue-haired rival guy. Oh, Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. There's that fight with Diaz. Um, that piece of junk. You know, you can't. You're not supposed to win that one. And then right after that, you have the fight on the ship, which you're not supposed to win either. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I usually got killed by those fast enough that it didn't become a problem. The nice thing about the DS fight is that you can't actually bring your real items into that fight, so it's impossible to waste a, sh a ton of resources uh, fighting him. Well, I'm thinking of a battle in Grandia 2. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, where it's it's the first time you meet the uh, was it the horn of Valmar? I think it was. Yeah, um, uh, Malthus. And and you, yeah, you cannot actually damage him. But I tried my best. <laughs> As it turns out, um, the eye of Valmar's special attack can paralyze him and cause minor damage to him for about ten seconds. <laughs> Never tried that on him. I mean, okay, one of the major gripes I had about that game is that abilities, you don't have much chance to ever use the things. It's not a lot of millennia in the game, sadly. <laughs> no. And, I mean, there's also a lot of abilities in that game, they're frequent use, and, and you just never use them. But yeah, uh, I did find the one way to damage that guy in the entire game, and it did like five damage per, like, second, almost. Um, and I mean, barely. Just, I think I had taken him down like twenty hit points by the end of the by the time he just wiped me out. <laughs> there's no other way to hit him. Uh, but yeah, I usually get obliterated by these fast enough that it doesn't become a problem. And when it does, when it does become a problem, it's usually because it's like, oh, oh, this is this stronger because it's not killing me fast enough. <laughs> But I can, I've realized after the amount of damage that I've done or failed to do that it's probably just unkillable. Uh, do you remember the Iron Golem from Chrono Trigger? Yeah. I actually killed that once. <laughs> oh, yeah. just arrested me right afterwards. So, I mean, it's there's a, no actual difference in the story. Yeah, I've, I've managed to kill that too. Yeah. Um, oh, just, there was just another one with... Um... The the final boss of Breath of Fire two, when you're fighting him oh, is just Ryuse or Ryu or yeah, what's the name of your character? Yeah, 
I was using a game genie and had oh, no. and, and had infinite health. No. I left the system on overnight and auto battle. <laughs> uh, an unbreakable and unstoppable force versus an immovable object. Not, you know, because I was like, I want to see if there's an ending that happens if you can kill him by yourself. I've never yeah. seen one game pull that, and it's still one of my favorite things. Ever. I can I'll only think of when Tale of Destiny, if you manage to win the unwinnable fight about four or so hours in, it just gives you a fake ending where it's like, and the party became the greatest treasure hunters anyone's ever known. The end. <laughs> uh, more games should do that. Yeah, so, so I left it on overnight to just see if there was an ending because I was like, I wonder what happens. You know, your whole party's technically non-existent. I want, I want to see what type of world this is. And it's like, no, thought that someone would, you know, either grind up levels high enough and or use a code to try and do that, so you just can't kill the boss. Boss to take damage, they'll have some sort of sanity thing where it's like they'll eventually just run out of hit points and end the battle and then pretend like it, like the there's no separate flag, it's just the battle's over and now they continue with like, well, I won. But sometimes they don't and then it becomes a problem. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, for an SNES game, you know, they didn't think of that. They just wanted the game out the door. Uh, let's hit a couple more of these before we call it quits. Uh, Besides the jump to HD, what made the cost of developing games skyrocket between the 6th and 7th gen? Which I believe is PS2 to PS3. Uh... I mean, like, HD really is most of it, but it's also that the PS3 was a pain in the ass. That's, that's kind of it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, like, more uh, higher resolution assets do not scale in terms of creation time and cost linearly. They scale, like, quadratically. So, uh, it going to HD is a really, really expensive process. Uh, and going to HD with an unfriendly uh, and unfamiliar system architecture makes it worse. Uh, let's see. Anyone else got uh, strong opinions here? Or? No. See which '90s first-person RPG is the worst, and I'm excluding Kingsfield because God forbid I don't want Wheels to suffer another stroke. This must have happened around January when you wrote this. <laughs> but uh, let's see, I didn't play a lot of '90s first-person RPGs, so I don't actually have authority to say. Probably I, something I I've never heard of. Emulator once, and it was like there was one. I think it was. Uh, I think it was a Ravenloft game, and it was just impossible to control first person. Oh, I'd believe it. There's a lot of like those uh, '90s D and D RPGs I've never played that are probably horrible. 
Were you playing any first-person RPGs in the 90s? I, the Beholder. Was it any good? It was. Uh, but there was a game like it. Dungeon uh, Hack? No, not no, not Dungeon Hack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Dungeon Master 2. It's a similar style to Eye the Beholder, which I thought sucked. Had the Mac version of that. Couldn't get. I say there was a, another one that I played. Hmm. Can we remember the names of any of these? Or are they all lost to time? No. What's funny is they own them. Oh. Just remembering the names of them. Yeah. Dungeon Master Two sucked. Um, Beholder. Pretty good. Um, I have to be older. Difficult is difficult. Uh, difficult. Yeah, it's another one of those games that had that food mechanic from around that same time. Yeah, I forgot that was in there. Oh, and water. You had to not just feed your characters. You also had to keep them hydrated. It's fine. <laughs> this uh, is fine. What could be more thrilling? Many things. You could be forced to take bathroom breaks for your characters, too. Oh, I love Digimon. Wait, no, I hate Digimon. Uh, Is that a thing you have to do in Digimon? Digimon will shit themselves to death if you don't take them to the bathroom. Yeah, Kelly was uh, complaining about that on RPG Cast this week, uh, that the (laughs) Digimon game she plays, she has to go around with these portable toilets. (laughs) Yeah, there's something like distinctly unsettling about that first Digimon World game on PS1, where it's like you can evolve your Digimon into being like these like very human-looking things, but you still have to like guide them to the bathroom and stand outside while they take a shit, or they'll die. Yeah, and and the one she's she's playing, she was commenting that she has, now has the Digimon in her in the city that the character's in. They will hand her free toilets. Thank God. <laughs> That's uh, cool. I, they named it something about having to pick up poo after her Digimon. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh think that's probably enough for my taste, but if we want to keep going, we can keep going. Let's see what's next on this list. Uh, okay, 67 is just a deep, a deep question. conversation we can say for another time. Yeah, 68 is aimed directly at you. <laughs> and I have no idea how to answer it. Okay, we can come back to it later, perhaps, or not. It's up to you. It is aimed at you. Uh, How about number 71? Okay. What killed Wild Arms? Uh, Apathy from Sony. (laughs) Pretty much. You can tell, because they they tried doing a Wild Arms mobile game, like, five years ago, I think. I'm not sure if that kept going or died. But, yeah, like, it was just Sony didn't care enough to keep it going. 
And it appears that Wild Arms Million Memories died last year. Hmm. It lasted that long. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, impressed. Uh, but yeah. Uh, like, what killed Wild Arms was not that anything particularly suddenly took a downturn. It's just Sony's priorities stopped being that kind of game. And so there was nothing keeping it going. Kind of like the same thing that happened to Ark the Lad. <laughs> I... They just stopped caring about making that kind of game, and so suddenly we don't get it anymore. <laughs> Which is a bit of a shame. Like, Wild Arms was never, like, perfect, but it was at least something that had uh, memorable amounts of, like, strange themes and ambitions that, you know, aren't coming back no more. But, yeah, uh... Uh, that was kind of the point where uh, Sony Japan sort of stopped uh, pushing for games to be made uh, as much itself, and so uh, the things that came out of them became markedly less interesting. Let's see. Uh, one... Here's one that we can probably drag something out of wheels for. Is there any limited edition console that you guys really want? I expect wheels probably want some like Monster Hunter branded Switch or some shit. That's so <laughs> oh, well, I have that already. Yeah. Of course you do. I remember seeing a Saga 2 branded DS I really, really would have liked at the time, but I could not have afforded it. There was a. There's uh, so many of these for Nintendo handhelds in Japan. There's a Saga Scarlet Grace Vita I almost bought, but didn't, <laughs> and now it's hard to find. Sorry, I was carrying a kid to the bed. What was the oh, question? Uh, is there any limited edition console that you guys really want? Uh, there was a really nice Persona Q 3DS, but at this point... Oh, yeah, I have a friend who has that. Yeah, but at this point, since it's not a new 3DS, I don't actually want to... <laughs> actually... I That's the time you wanted it. Well, I actually <laughs> kind of want to get another um, 3DS XL, because it was the 3DS XL, because uh, that's still kind of like my favorite 3DS design hardware-wise, because the stylus was in the perfect place, and it just kind of folded nice, and the new 3DS, does, it doesn't quite hit... Moved it. Yeah, moved it, and it's not quite as good. So... Yeah, I don't... I, I, I can't go with you there, because, like, the entire idea... Like, the idea of having enough luxury to be buying limited edition consoles is so foreign to me that I don't allow myself to get into them. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. I... I just, I'm just saying, I want a 3ds XL. I don't even care if it's a limited edition at this point because uh, I kind of got over doing that for 3ds, 3ds's because I usually got some. There kind were of, so like, many of them. Well, and I just got like some kind of hard shell or something to put it in anyway to protect it. So getting a limited hmm. edition one was pointless essentially. Like the same, the same thing for like the Switch. Like I was pondered getting that nice um, diamond and pearl uh, switch light and it's just like well I'm just going to put this in the case and I'm not even going to see the, the nice print on the back so what what the hell's the point what have I done Yeah. 
So. I have the uh, Final Fantasy II Wonder Swan color. Oh, that's oh, those nice. are nice. Too nice. I love Wonder Swans. Yeah, I thought the Wonder Swan was a very nice piece of equipment, concerning it ran on a single AA battery. Yep. Does yours still work? I don't know because I don't know where it is. I can tell you mine doesn't, um, but... They're not the hardiest of machines. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's one thing Nintendo does have going for its machines. They will survive just about anything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the there's a place near here that deals a lot in import. Uh, that deals a lot in import machines like the Wonder Swan, and like they they usually make sure that their Wonder Swans work, which is nice. And I'm thoroughly tempted to someday like uh, once I once I once my income's a little better, I'm gonna go down and celebrate by buying a Wonder Swan. Uh. There was there's a nice little um, DSI, oh, it's DSI or DS Lite, I forget. Uh, based on like the first Crystal Chronicles game for DS. Ring of Fate. Yeah, that I got a, a like beat up one for like thirty bucks on eBay. <laughs> that was a nice <laughs> little collector's pickup. Uh, release. Uh, based on its release date, it was probably a DLC. Uh, how do you guys avoid the problem of having not a lot of space at home when it comes to collecting games? Both of you to assume that I avoid that. Huh? Um. Hmm? <laughs> I sell a lot of games that I end up not. Yeah, wheels is uh, wheels is secretly a fence. Hmm. I mean, games don't necessarily take up a lot of space, especially if you're you've got a bunch of bookshelves already. Or especially if a lot of your games are for Switch and 3DS. Those... Yeah. yeah, those are very those small. Are, yeah. Yep. And my issue is more the cases than the games themselves. Like. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I have, I have actual, I still have all my cases, but I've moved all the discs into CD binders, which take up a lot less room, because my kids keep taking my cases down and stepping on them. Ooh, oh, no. yeah, my no. daughter likes to do that too. Oh, I think I would cry. I will uh, say it's gotten a lot less frequent than it used to be. Yeah, I would imagine as they get older, that tends to be less common. My kids are autistic, David. There's always yeah. a chance it'll happen. Oh, I know. But, let's see. Let's, uh, uh... I'll do this one, which is kind of a game history question. Besides the NES popularity and Nintendo demanding exclusivity from third parties, why didn't more RPGs come to the Master System? Because it didn't sell well enough. <laughs> Clearly a more capable machine than the NES. It's not more capable enough for it to matter, and it didn't sell very well. Yeah, I mean... Like, those exclusivity Nintendo agreements really would not have happened if the system sold. Sorry, what were you saying? Um, one thing that mattered a lot more was that Nintendo was really good at promoting its stuff. Mm. Yeah. 
whereas Sega was not. Sega was also very and much an arcade focused company, and essentially every Master System game was ported by Sega itself, and so that's why or made or ported by Master by Sega itself, which is why you'll occasionally see like. Here's a third-party game that was on the NES, but somehow found its way onto the masses. And it's like, well, Sega ported it itself, so uh, it was legally like in the clear. But like Sega itself did not seek them out very, did not seek out RPGs very often, uh, because, like I said, they were a very arcade-focused sort of company. So like the only two Master System RPGs I can think of are. Uh, Miracle Warriors and Fantasy Star. Miracle Warriors is one of the worst games you've ever played. Uh, Didn't Final Fantasy get a port at one point? Or? No, that got ported to the MSX. Uh, I keep getting those two systems confused. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Sega was not seeking out, was not either in, not capable of negotiating for these or actively not seeking them out. And very much was late to the party on actually trying. Like the one time they tried this was Fantasy Star, which was definitely made in response to the popularity of Dragon Quest. But like they didn't try to keep up with this themselves. They were uh, much more consent to, content to keep uh, doing compromised ports of their arcade games. So, then so, this kind of explains a lot of what happened to Sega in the future. Yeah, I mean they were they were an arcade focused company even until the day they died uh, as a hardware manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, how many people still remember the period of time in the late '80s in which Nintendo exercised a monopoly over American distribution? Uh, honestly, probably plenty of people, but it's honestly just doesn't register because it's been so long. <laughs> Um, yeah, that takes us to question 75 and my throat is getting sore, so... <laughs> okay. We want to yeah, close things out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Wheels is also dying, yeah. so... <laughs> uh, extra life in two days. Yeah, uh, this will have gone up long after that extra life happened, but you can oh, catch the stream archive and probably still donate. Donating's good. I'm gonna show you. I gotta post this like tomorrow. I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> challenge accepted. I am strategically choosing not to believe you. Some people feel challenged. <laughs> um, but yes, extra life this weekend if Wheels manages to get this out in time. Uh, uh, several of the people involved uh, on this podcast will be involved in very minor fashions, and one of them will probably be there much more than the rest. Uh, oh no, I'm, I'm actually only there for Sunday. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, yeah they, they filled up most of the slots before I, because I was at work and couldn't. Uh, uh, so by the time I looked at it, it's like, oh well, it's mostly filled up, say for some sa Sundays. Um, but yeah, this this weekend is extra life. So uh, RP Gamer is going to be uh, involved uh, doing uh, uh, fifty plus hours of streaming here on the channel um, with pretty much everyone from the stream team, uh, myself, Wahiz, uh, JC Servant, uh, Pause, and Husband Nubo, 
Uh, Scar is going to be there. Hairfog, the whole team, uh, hot swapping in and out all weekend, uh, doing streaming and for donations to help support uh, hospitals. Um, I, I think we can actually do one second. Hello? I think he said one second. Yeah, there we go. So, um, if you're watching over on RP Gamer, uh, there's a link to our news article about it. And uh, we have a number of different streamers, as well as a number of different people who are taking donations as well. Um, so, co definitely come and check us out. It is going to be a very interesting weekend of gaming. Yeah, and you can check me out at the very end of it, uh, 10 p.m. on Sunday night. So I'll be on streaming some Monster Hunter with Phil. And then, I don't know, I was thinking of maybe trying to close things out with some Smash Brothers or something, since uh, non-RPGs will be allowed on the channel over the course of that weekend. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, wheels. I'll let you know. I may, I may pop in after the scheduled time. <laughs> but hey, Gaijin books. Yes. Oh yes, yes. Need to plug these. Buy books. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, wheels. Read a book. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm working on um, reading Dune right now. So. That's going to take oh, a while. Oh, yeah, so you'll get to my stuff sometime in three years. Okay. <laughs> Harsh, but fair. I, mean, I know how thick that book is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, so Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yadimizu, a.k.a. me. Um, available on Amazon, Amazon Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Um, so nine episodes, two side quests, a very long paralogue that's its own book. And uh, more to come if I can get the cover artist to, uh, to mail me back. Uh, Here's to there. hoping. Here's to hoping, yes. And the first episode actually available in its own little paperback just because my dad decided that he'd like to try to experiment and I'd let him do it. Um, so, yeah, we... And um, thinking about putting the fourth book up for the Oklahoma Book Award... Um, just to put it in competition. See how that works out? Probably nothing. Okay. But yes, um, available in Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, and paperback if, you f if you're feeling the need for something in your hands. Um, just check it out. Let me know what you think. I could always use more reviews, more feedback. Okay. Okay. Uh, Wheels, what about you? Uh, you can catch me streaming on my channel Ask Wheels on Twitch where I usually am streaming non-RPGs or simulcasting this very show here mm -hmm. um, and we also I also do a show on RP Gamers Twitch Sunday nights which is um, has the working title of uh, Sunday Night Shenanigans Wheels and Friends until we figure out an actual title for it uh but yeah, play some random RPG and then move over to my channel for some fighting games that night. So check that out. And that's about it. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Tam, you have anything else you want to plug? No. Uh, you can catch me in the morning, uh, t- specifically tomorrow morning here at 11 a.m. Eastern, and I will be playing some Super Robot Wars. Probably do one mission because I am working early all this week. Uh-huh. That's rough. Uh, let's see. Uh, as for me, I still have a Patreon. I still ramble on it. Uh, I have my finger on the pulse of uh, humanity's deepest uh, desires and wrote a pain to a uh, Matrix game from 16 years ago that no one played but me. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Keanu. <laughs> uh, currently seeing if I can... Uh, gather as much English info about the uh, life and times of Lava Delic uh, sometime, or hopefully to post sometime in the next month or so. Uh, yeah, if, if I remembered more of that um, Famitsu article on Lava Delic from last year, I would send it to you. Oh, I've, at this point, I've like literally just reached out to the Onion Games. Uh, Twitter, like, hey, can I ask some questions about Love of the Lake? And they were like, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want to get on their Discord? Uh, I might have to do that as well. But uh, yeah, I've got their Discord over here. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just like, if you sign up for the Onion Onion Papa newsletter, he, he will just send you a Discord. Oh yeah, email. yeah, I do have that. I've just never clicked on the link, so I need to do that. But uh. Yeah, it's just one of those things like, oh, I should, uh, I was figuring, like, that's the most primary source I can get at this stage is, like, Onion Games has, uh, would have more information than most. So that's where I'm starting. But yeah, I'm gonna, and, I'm gonna write and talk about some of this crap, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've been, I, I'm trying to put together something about Lovadelic through, uh, that, yeah, like I said, that'll probably go up sometime in December or maybe January because I want to actually be thorough about this but you know I've been uh, otherwise working on some other stuff that's it's all trash but it's there if you want it it's on Patreon but it's free but hey I really appreciate it if you throw a couple bucks my way or leave comments or whatever uh, that's uh, that is patreon.com slash game culture study uh, yes that URL sucks no it's not changing uh in any case uh yeah so that's that's my plug and for the podcast itself we stream this podcast uh basically every wednesday at 9 p.m uh 8 30 to 9 p.m pacific 11 30 to midnight uh eastern and then on until me or wheels is too tired to keep going uh eventually uh and oh god playing guardians again uh yeah uh you can ask us questions you can put them in the uh twitch chat or you can uh put them in the podcast section of the discord which is a lovely discord that you should totally join uh mm. it is it, it's available it's a lovely community a lot of uh good discussions go on there uh and you know if uh you want to go you just go to rp gamer hit the community tab and you can find a way to get to the discord uh as for any uh 
You can also ask us questions in the comments section under this very episode. I try to keep track of the last three or so episodes since they go up so erratically that uh, comments tend to be... Uh, tend to end up scattered across a few episodes. But yeah, uh, if you put questions anywhere in that set, uh, they will be answered. Thank you once again to Fireminer for the many questions. If we did not answer something sufficiently, go ahead and ask us to clarify. But yeah, uh, otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya.